Welcome everyone as we come at you from the Hall of Fame city, Canton, Ohio. Secure your tickets, show up early, make it through security in the merchandise lines, grab those snacks and drinks, and then find your seat on the fifth side of the ring. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Draven the Sledgehammer here with The Professor. And Professor, we had the privilege to speak with an absolute legend in the wrestling industry, WWE Hall of Famer, Ricky Morton. Yeah, absolutely. We had such a great time with Ricky. We did. Uh, we're extremely grateful that he gave us the time and was able to come on the show and talk with us. Uh, and he was goofy as hell too, which fits in with our personalities. Really right. Well. It, it makes the whole thing a lot more fun. Yeah. They, right at the end, he was having a little bit of trouble with, uh, <laughs> with disconnecting and he blew us a raspberry just for yes. good measure. Uh, <laughs> uh, and one of the things he said right before we started recording, he's like, I'm going to jump around a little bit. I'm going to go from branch to branch and uh, fair warning. He, he does. <laughs> yeah. 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 He gave yeah. us fair warning on that and some slips of the tongue. So we were, we we're good with that. And he, he was a man of his word. Uh, but he does answer most of the questions that you and Regina had for him. Yes. Um, uh, I, I we believe didn't there even have to ask. No, I, I think we asked maybe three or four of the questions and I think total between Regina and I, we had 22 questions mm -hmm. and he answered all those. And by the time we got to the end, there was only one question left that I wanted to ask. And we were kind of out of time. He had to run. So um, it's unfortunate. I thought it was a good question, but maybe we'll save it. Uh, next time we have him, we'll ask him that question. Right. Right. So Sledgehammer, where can everybody check us out at? All right, guys, we utilize Anchor as always to distribute to all the listening platforms and now we are on youtube so you can check out our beautiful faces without further ado let's get into it today fifth side of the ring this is draven the sledgehammer we got thomas the professor we have got the legend himself ricky morton he is a 2017 WWE Hall of Famer. He is a 2006 NWA Hall of Famer. And the amount of tag team championships this guy has won, USWA, Smoky Mountain Championship Wrestling, SCW, Mid-South, Jim Crockett, NWA, Mid-Atlantic, CWA, AWA. How many titles have you won, Ricky? At least 200, right? <laughs> I lost Cal a long time ago. Hey, okay. you know what? One that you, that you left out, and this is a great honor. I, I wanted to say this and tell everybody. Uh, in May, Robert and I and Tommy Rich, and I think Tony Atlas, we're all going to be inducted to the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame out of yes, uh, yes. Texas, Wichita, uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and believe me, w is a great honor to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, but the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, that's where all the boys put you in. Yes, so, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm not saying it's well, one's one, better than the other one, but it's, right, it's a but great honor. One sport entertainment, one is professional wrestling. There's, <laughs> yes, there, 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 there's, sure a, is. There, there's a, uh, right. a bit of cool, a difference there. You. So yeah, absolutely. 
And thanks uh, for the great intro, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you. absolutely, man. You know? So you were known for the diving cross body, some signature moves. You had the drop kick, the roll up, which I mean is absolutely astonishing. And then one of my personal favorite moves of your guys's was always the double drop kick. I think you guys set that bar for all the tag teams going forward. You guys set that bar as far as the double drop kick. No one does it like you guys. Well, guys, I appreciate that. But you got to understand in the times that our era, when somebody had a finish, mm-hmm. uh, they never did it for a hot spot. Uh, you did it when, when you did your finish, the match was over. It was all over, but the, yes. like my dad used to say, it's all over, but the crying and the dying and the flying and the head scissors. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, yes. <laughs> all right, cool. But that, that, is, uh, it was great. that is definitely uh, one thing that I don't like about today's wrestling is that the mm-hmm. finisher doesn't finish anything. It took uh, just between John Moxley and Kenny Omega, how many paradigm shifts did yeah, oh yeah, all the false it omega. Yeah. yeah, it's just well, you know what, guys? Anything. I gave my life to this business. You did. I yes. have watched it change over the years. And understand me, when you're in my position, you have to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. But, but it's a big but right here that I'm fixing to say. Or if you know, if is the biggest word in the world if you put it in the right sentence. But what I'm trying to say to you. Even me nowadays, I still have a lot, a lot to do. I mean, like to, I love to work with people and train people because our business is going to have to go back to that. Yeah. I mean, it's only so many times you can shoot a fucker out of a cannon and he <laughs> kicks out on one. You, yes. Do you understand me? Absolutely. I watch a lot of the matches. And, and to me, what may be good, it wasn't a part about me. It's because I sewed, but when I sewed, I even tried to make the guys wrestling feel like I was hurt. So imagine mm-hmm. if I made him ask me, what about the guy on the front row? But let's forget about the guy on the front row. Let's think about the guy that's up there in the balcony. Mm-hmm. What is he thinking what I'm doing? I told a fellow the other night, I said, listen, dude, I'm going to work with you tonight. And, and I do. I watch a lot of the independent mind go online because I go to work with somebody. I want to be familiar with them and what they do. And if Mm -hmm. I can trust them with my body. And the first thing I told him is, is I says, listen, I can sell one punch better than I can 47. Okay. I can sell one kick better than I can 50 kicks because realistically in life, if a man kicks you 50 times, your ass is dead. I don't care who you are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and this is what I like to offer back to some of the big businesses. Not only am I here on your show today, but I'm out here applying for a job for some big businesses <laughs> because, yeah. dude, this is an art that is lost. And the guys, see, the biggest thing about our wrestlers today is they really don't understand what our business is about. Right. You have to understand it. And it don't take one guy to sell out arenas. It it takes everybody working together Mm -hmm. to get to that point. And oh my God, it's all gone now. Uh, Yes. And and then disrespect and like you just said a while ago about your finishes. 
Well, mm-hmm. hell, the match before you would do your finish for a high spot. You yeah. see, and mm-hmm. and that's that's so sad. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I work a lot, and the guy asked me. He said, "Man, let's do the let's do the Canadian Destroyer tonight." I said, "Dude, they've done <laughs> seen it twenty five times tonight. Yeah, why should I do it? I right. tell you what, let's do something different. Let's lock up and grab a headlock. Mm-hmm. That's fucking different. Yep. Okay, I'm sorry. yeah. All right, go ahead, man. I'm no, you're good. Yeah, so like that is one thing. So anyone that's listened to our podcast, that is one thing that." Thomas, the professor, and I complain about is the lack of selling anymore. So anyone that's watching this interview that we're doing today with Ricky Morton, keep an eye on that. No matter what you're watching, no matter which program you're watching, keep an eye out for what he's talking about. This The art of selling is gone. Whether it was Monday night, two nights ago, Monday Night Raw, or if it was last night on Impact, you can watch matches where you saw the lost art of selling just completely absent from the match someone taking a kick to the face and completely no selling it if ricky kicks me in the face i'm on the floor and it's going to take me 30 seconds to recover i'm not going to bounce right, right back up like it didn't even happen and there's there's a couple people that are really good at it like uh the namath brothers dolph mm-hmm. ziggler and and ryan namath boy they can get their ass kicked and you believe every second of it yes yes well, it, it, see, that's the part of our business. Let me tell you something, guys, that, and you think about this. Back in the 80s, when Huck Hogan was the biggest star in the world, uh, and Terry wasn't, and I'm not knocking Terry. I like Terry. Terry's a friend mm-hmm. of mine. I'm not knocking him, but he wasn't the greatest worker in the world. Right, yeah. But one thing that he done was he sold. Oh, yeah. No matter yeah. who you are, he sold and at the end made that big comeback and dropped yes. the big leg. Yep. And the roof come off the damn buildings every time he done it. Yep. It's when, so when, easy. A lot of guys think it's, uh, you know, because to me, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I'm, oh, no, what I'm trying good, to say good. is in the 80s, you know, I never had a contract before. Mm-hmm. Never did. Uh but see, I think that's really what hurt our business a lot, too. It was my time we got paid for how many asses are in the seats. But don't get me wrong. I'm, I love these guys making all this money mm-hmm. that I didn't. <laughs> no, but making all this money. But I think it got to a point where somebody's contract's bigger than theirs, and they're, and they're afraid mm-hmm. to sell. They're afraid it might hurt them in this business. Yeah. But, God, if you could find original baby face. This is what I'm trying to teach my son. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you met my son, Kerry, yep. or not. Yep, I've been he's, talking uh, with him here and there. He's, he's, he's a great young man. He he is going to be great in our business. But he mm-hmm. but he's like, I grew up in the business. My dad was a wrestler. So, you know, he's a third generation. Yep. Third generation, that's for easy use. But <laughs> uh, it's, to make it to make it feel right, instead of you know, I, you watch TV and you tell, you can really tell if something's really big fixing to happen because there'll be 20 guys around the ring going to catch somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and, that, and that's the part they're giving away to everything. They're doing this, right. doing that. And honestly, the marks are getting so smart. Excuse me before I say that. I don't leave it. <laughs> You're getting so smart to our business. They're, they're not capturing new audiences if you understand what i'm saying 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, used to be you catch you, you catch new audiences every year or so. But now you stop and look. You know, when I go to wrestling matches, everybody in there is over 40 years old. You hardly see any young people anymore. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you get tired of watching the trapeze act every right. damn match. Yeah. And uh, the guy, you know, it, sometimes it gets a little frustration, but, but you know, the, the pen's mightier than the sword. You can't fight City Hall. Right. Well. right. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I go back and I, I watch stuff from the 80s and early 90s all the time. That That, for me is reminiscent of my childhood when I fell in love with pro wrestling. And then it's still today. I I, I like a a lot of what's going on, but when I want to enjoy professional wrestling, I always find myself going back to the eighties where you were one of the top stars. Like I made a list here of guys that were beloved in the eighties. So you brought up Hawkamania. So I'd say in the 80s, Hawkamania is top of the line. Right underneath here, I mean, you're right in here with these guys as far as being blowing the, the doors off the arena. You got Tommy Rich, Kerry Von Erich, Magnum TA, Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton, and Robert Gibson. I mean, those guys made the 80s of professional wrestling. And I'm sure you're great friends with many of these guys. Yeah, man. And, and listen to me. You, uh, you said one name in there that really, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this. This is, you know, your opinion is like your ass. Everybody's got one. Yeah. But Ric Flair was the greatest world champion ever. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm trying to say this right here is because Rick. As him being world champion, he always made sure, no matter what, mm-hmm. that the people got their money's worth. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I wrestled Rick to so many hour time limits as I, I, Broadway, we want to say. Yeah. So many. But if I didn't, we still went 58 minutes. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and Rick always did that. And, and Rick, he was that champion that had that great rings of college you know you know and i heard people not well he does the same thing every now and then we'll do when you wrestle our matches every night it's gonna happen you have to yeah it's gonna happen and it's gonna do that for instance i i, I know i'm jumping to another limb here oh you're good you're good i in an hour okay i was wrestling a guy and, I, and i'm going back before not long ago the guy told me he says hey uh when I go to the ring tonight, some of the people might cheer me. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, they're going to cheer you because you want them to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you didn't want them to, they wouldn't. Now, mm-hmm. now where I'm going with this is Rick and I were doing a lot of our time limits. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were wrestling. I'll never forget this. The old Civic Center in uh, in uh Philly, we wrestled downtown there. And let me tell you guys, Philly was the biggest hill town you could ever imagine. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it still kidding. is. You know, them fuckers, <laughs> they, they don't even like ice cream. You hear me? They hate everything. 
Right. Unless you're, if you're a baby face, you know, I was just there for not long ago, but we, but, but now I'm going back. Sam Russ and Rick, we're going to do an hour time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I go to the ring and dude, you know, I've called everything, (laughs) but Ricky Morton, right. You know, everything. Yep. Uh, Flair's music plays and these people go crazy, bye bye, you know, and me, they're Martin, you suck. Martin, you <laughs> suck. But listen to me, fellas. 10 minutes into the match, mm-hmm. Ric Flair completely changed the whole crowd. Okay, 15 minutes in the match, the crowd pushed the guardrails all the way up against the ring. Oh, wow. I'm selling. I, Ricky hit me and I'd take a bump and elbow somebody for they wouldn't because they was coming through the ropes. Mm-hmm. You hear me? Then, I, you know, then Arn Anderson was watching the match and he's seen that. He worked his way down to the ring. And then here come Robert and Rick told me, he said, listen, uh, I'm going to have to throw you over the top rope and get disqualified because if you don't, these people are going to fucking kill me. <laughs> and they did it. And what I did is I told him, I said, give me a hell of a, he grabbed me and he threw me over the top. And I went out in the crowd mm-hmm. where they had to catch me. And when you do that, everybody in the building looks at you. Uh-huh. And when they looked at me, Flair was gone. You hear me? <laughs> yep. in, that, in that moment. But see, that's what, what I'm trying to say is nobody has that psychology to do that no more. Right. Nobody has been trained well enough to do that anymore. Right. And see, that's what little things about our business that nobody even has a damn clue what you're talking about. Right. When you tell them stuff like this. Yeah. Go ahead, fella. And we had talked about uh, the art of selling. Rick was one of those guys. So, yeah, he had the psychology of wrestling. Nobody sold like that guy either. Yes. Well, I I remember. Yes. Um, just a couple years ago on the way to WrestleMania, uh, when Kofi mania was huge, we had a a pay-per-view, uh, fast lane was up in Cleveland and I went and boy, the crowd was completely against everything going on. Mm -hmm. We were totally Mm -hmm. on this Kofi kick because Kofi was being screwed and um, so there was a triple threat for the WWE championship with, between Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, and uh, uh, Mustafa Ali. And for the first five minutes or so during the match, the crowd was untamable. We were chanting Kofi. They had no control. Uh, but after that, the match was just so good. We completely forgot about Kofi. Yes. You know, and that's, those guys are great. The ones you just talked about anyway, Kevin Owens, mm-hmm. Tanner Bryant, they're phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and that's what made them what they are. I mean, you look at Daniel Bryant, he's, he's not that big of a guy, but Jesus Christ, look how over he was. Yeah. yeah. And because he knew how to get himself over to stay over. And you watch him, he sells too. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's great. I mean, uh, but that's great, man. I, I really, that Cleveland. So y'all went to Cleveland? 
Yep. Is that what you're saying? We're, we're about an hour town. and a half drive from <laughs> Cleveland. Yep. Yes, that's a uh, that's another hill town. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. But go ahead, fellas. Okay, so let's go ahead and start with some of the good questions for today. So, all right. So, Ricky, what can you tell yes. us about your father, Paul, who was a referee? What territories did he work for, and what made you to what made you decide to be a wrestler and not a referee? Well, first of all, I grew up in this business, and my dad. Hold on for a minute. I, this is. Let me tell Vince, I can't. Uh, Vince, I can't make Monday Night Raw. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, now, uh, <laughs> but uh, what I what I'm saying, I I grew up in the wrestling business, and our job was to go. My dad put the wrestling ring up. You know, he my dad pulled the ring, then he refereed. And, and he wrestled before my time. And I'll tell you in a minute how you got the business. But this is what we did. And when we went to wrestling, you know, guys, there wasn't like six people on the whole wrestling card. Mm -hmm. You know, you had most of the time you had uh, two baby faces and two heels. And the they wrestled single matches, the first baby face and the heel, second baby face. Then you had two girls was a semi-main event. And then mm -hmm. the two baby faces, two heels come back in a two out of three, a time limit match, <laughs> tag uh -huh. match. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, our business was so different then because uh, they didn't, you know, you, your top heel weighed 500 pounds. <laughs> Couldn't, wasn't it? But the business is so different. Yeah. You didn't draw like you did. And later on in our, because I know you're going to ask me about this, you know, the, about the business changing. Mm -hmm. uh, but growing up like that, you know, me and my brothers wrestled in the ring, you know, after we put it up before and my daddy would talk to me, which I traveled with my dad uh -huh. everywhere, you know, and, you know, my dad was my best friend in the world, mm -hmm. but he used to tell me things and, he told me, he says, Ricky, you know, uh, things are going to change in this business. I can see it coming to the bigger things. Mm -hmm. It's getting more corporate, corporate. It's getting the ratings on TVs. You know, it's like in Memphis when we were asshole there. You know, you had a two-hour show every Saturday morning. And they didn't know it was free. And you never even heard of that at that time. Uh -huh. uh, Channel 5 in Memphis. But... But doing that and going through, and I didn't, you know, but when I got in high school, I played sports. And I, and by that time, my dad, he he started to work for Jerry Jerry at Memphis, Jerry Lawler and him. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have to pull the ring no and he refereed. So uh, needless to say, I uh, he wanted me to ride to Memphis with him one night because I was off working everything. And I'll be damned. If I didn't go there and Jerry Lawler was wrestling Joe LaDuke or somebody, holy shit, there was 10,000 people there <laughs> and going crazy. Sorry. No, you're good. Vince won't take no for an answer. <laughs> no, I just cut it off. Uh, and I couldn't believe this. And this is what my daddy was telling me. So this is the reason I wanted to bring you here tonight. Uh -huh. This business is changing, and yeah, uh, 
you got to think about outside that black box mm-hmm. and what you're doing and, and doing this. Uh, but now I'm going to jump to another limb. My dad was in the Marine Corps. He was a drill instructor, Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what kind of life I live? Sir, yes, sir. Sir, get your foot out my ass, sir. No, no, he's a great man, real good man, real smart. Without having the greatest education in the world, man, he was smart, son of a gun. Mm-hmm. But he was in San Diego, and him and a bunch of his buddies in Marine Corps went to the went to the wrestling there, uh-huh. uh, somewhere out there, San Diego. And he told me, said, I'm just like every other Mark. I got so involved in the match that I hit the ring. He went through the ropes and the ring. Uh-huh. Well, this so happened, you know, if they was kayfabe, there was somebody that was supposed to hit the ring that night. So when my dad went in the ring, he wham, went. He said, I went to hit the heel and I missed him by a foot. He took a bump over the top rope out into the floor. <laughs> well, by this time, you know, you got all them people there. Uh, my dad hit the ring. So after the matches, they got him in the back, boy, I'm cussing him and shit. And he says, well, you got to come back here next week. <laughs> so they broke my dad. That's how my dad broke into the business that way. It's, nice, it's sure. wild. I mean, it, yeah, but it's crazy, but it's wild. But that's how it all started years ago. Now, mm-hmm. in my career, my, my dad, when I did start, because you know, the reason I went, you know, I was a foreman at a book bindery and we went on strike mm-hmm. and just so happened. I uh, went with my dad this time to Evansville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I always remember when you're in business, you always take your bag with you. Yep. I hadn't had a match in a long time. I had my first match when I was 16 years old, but that's a whole different other thing. But here I am, I'm 19 years old. Uh, I just take my wrestling bag with me and just so happened somebody's car broke down and they wasn't there. And, uh, and this kid named kid Wayne that wrestled in Memphis, the nightmares, him and Danny Davis was a nightmares before this is before then. Oh, okay. He's a hell of a worker too. But so, uh, Jerry Jarrett, my dad told us, man, my son's got it. Won't you let him wrestle? You know, and Jerry's kind of late because our business buddy was strictly, you know, it's kayfabe, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At that time, and, 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 and please believe me when I tell you this, even the NWA days, mm-hmm. we didn't even get our finishes till we got in the rink. You know, oh, you wow. never talked a match over. You know, right. you know I mean, you know, the heels and baby faces were never together. Right, yeah. You know, you did everything in the rink, you know, and uh, you uh, – you know, it's jumping back to another limb. You're like an NWA, you know, me and Flair, us and the Midnight Express. Our, our business was so sacred. Yeah. It's okay, faved. But you didn't get to finish till you got in the ring. You know, Tommy, and you didn't go, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. They just say, you're over, you're under. That's all. Yeah. That's all you said. Yeah, you got to the ring Broadway. Yeah, you go out and you write the story. Okay, but we knew how to tell the stories of the end. Yes, yeah. and you did that. That's that's the way the world learned. Yes. Uh, but I got there, and uh, Jerry Jarrett told me to, he says, all right. My dad talked him into letting me work, and uh, I guess he told my dad, he said, if the match sucks, 
take it home. He said, if it, if it's doing good, they go 15 minute time limit. Mm-hmm. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yep. You know, case if I suck, <laughs> tell my daddy to take it home. But me and Ken Wayne went out there, dude. And we just clicked our chemistry clicked in ring. Here I am 19 years old. Bam, here I'll go. Uh, <laughs> and when I come back through the door, uh, Jerry Jarrett told me, he says, I, when I walked through the door, he came over and shook my hand. He says, I would love for you to start my territory this Saturday nice. on uh, Memphis TV. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, and I went there. And, and my first day there, he teamed me up with Bill Superstar Dundee. That's a hell of a thing, <laughs> but it's, that was Elvis Presley, a professional wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but that's the way it is. And, you know, my dad, he, he refereed for years, but you know, it, another thing is different in, in the younger days. My dad refereed, he had called the match for most of the guys mm-hmm. in the ring because they didn't really know. And it said, you know, when my dad would be refereeing, all right, we'll give him a tackle, drop down, hip toss, great shit. Yeah. And that's how a lot of guys learn. But uh, that was most of the club. But my dad, he wrestled like in them days, you had the, the outlaw independent wrestling, you know, mm-hmm. you didn't have big promotions and, and stuff like that. Uh, God, they go to wrestle and beat the fuck out of each other, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, but yeah, so, that's the way all that started. So you brought up uh, Jerry Jarrett. So you mm-hmm. and Robert were actually put together under Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler, correct? In Memphis? Jerry Lawler put us together. Now, yeah. Look good. I love telling stories. This is a long story, guys. Okay, okay. good, good. Uh, my dad told me about tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. He says, man, it's going to be, and if you noticed in my earlier career, uh, I teamed up with a lot of guys. Uh, yeah. First of all, I teamed up with a fellow named, you know, and I hope that you heard of him, Sonny King. Yep. Uh, Sonny King was a big wrestling star. In Memphis, you know what? And I say he called me yesterday for, you know, and unbelievable, but we're talking about this. But he, uh, he said, tag team wrestling is going to be the future of this business because mm-hmm. it's going to be something new. So I put myself, me and Sonny King, and I learned so much from Sonny, mm-hmm. especially at Memphis, uh, working there. Then me and Eddie Gilbert teamed up. I mean, he went out to Oklahoma because, to tell you the truth, Eddie wasn't old enough to get wrestling uh, license in a lot of the states. Uh And and when we were out in Oklahoma for Leroy McGurk, they didn't have no athletic commissions and stuff at that time. Mm -hmm. God, nowadays in Oklahoma, you got to do everything, dude. I mean, HIV test, you know, know, hepatitis test. You got to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Cost you more to wrestle one night, you make a month. But... (laughs) To, to go on and then I came back and I had a lot of in my lifetime you were the greatest baby base I ever seen no a guy by the name of Ken Lucas was the greatest baby face ever in his business and me and Ken teamed up and we left and we went to San Antonio Texas Southwest uh-huh. Championship Wrestling the first time it went on USA TV, cable TV, man, I'm telling you. And, and we went there and we 
working with it's Joe Blanchard, Tully Blanchard's dad. It's when I first met Tully. Okay. Him and Gino Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And me and Kitty did a angle with them. And guys, and this is hard to believe sometimes, but San Antonio, they had a guy named Scott Casey there. Yep. yep. Scott was the all American cowboy. Yep. He was the Marlboro man that didn't smoke. <laughs> you hear me? Yep. The body on him. And this guy was over, son of a gun. Now jumping back to another limb. Mm-hmm. And we go back to here about Memphis, me and Robert. Mm-hmm. But when I really, really smartened up to this business was Scott Casey. And they, and they just brought Killer, Killer Carl Cox was coming in. Do you remember uh-huh. Killer Carl Cox, guys? Yep. If you don't. Please go to look him up and watch for him. And they got Killer Carl Cox coming in. And, you know, here I am, a kid. I'm 21 at 22 years old. And Killer Carl Cox is coming. Him and Scott Casey are wrestling in the main event. Uh, and those days, guys, I mean, Scott Casey was over and me and Luke was over. Tully and Gino had more heat in the Iowa stove. Jesus Christ. I mean, it was <laughs> unbelievable. We did good business. We're in the Hemisphere Arena. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Hemisphere Arena is where the San Antonio Spurs used to play basketball years ago. And when you draw 15 and 16,000 people in a building like that in 1981, and, and that's unbelievable. Right. But they didn't have music then. Uh, but being, uh, but Scott Casey had killed Carl Cox. And this is what I'm trying to tell you guys. This is really what made me understand our business, that it was more to it than grabbing a headlock or doing a headlock routine or doing this. Now, Scott Casey went to the ring and they're waiting for killer Carl Cox. I know killer Carl Cox come to the ring, but I've got dressed because I wanted to watch this. And I'm, I'm sitting up there in a, Big old building, and I'm watching. Just, and I'm thinking to myself, "Where the hell's Killer at? Boy, he's gonna get in trouble. Right? Damn, he's gonna get in trouble. Boy, Joe Blanchard's gonna be madder than hell." I'm thinking this to myself. <laughs> yeah. The referee gets out of the ring, goes all the way to the back. He comes back in. I'm sorry. You're okay. You're Hold okay. Hold on for a minute. Hold on, Kerry James. Come and get Doug. Uh, okay, that's my dog, Doug. And he, uh, let's wait, take them outside, buddy. They want to go outside. Okay. So, uh, now I'm sitting there watching this. So the referee jumps out and he goes all the way back to the dressing room. All of a sudden he comes back to the ring and I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, what is happening here? And all of a sudden the two doors fly open. Here comes killer Carl Cox running to the ring. And he's got about 15 foot strand of toilet paper hanging out of his tights. You hear me? And I ain't never seen nothing like this. And boy, he gets to the ring and, and, and everybody's laughing and he's turning around. Look what they're laughing at. But the toilet paper keeps going this way. He can't see it. Finally, the referee pulls it out of his tights. Okay. Yeah. He gets embarrassed. He jumps out of the ring, runs back to the dressing room. Okay. I'm watching this. Then here, uh, here he comes back and he's doing this to the ring like he's embarrassed. Right? 
and I'm watching this, and that if y'all knew Killer Carl Cox, uh, he had a make believe that fellow that was with him, Alex. Uh-huh. And they always talked to Alex up here. Yeah. And what reason they talked to him up here? How you got that gimmick? The old Funk Arena at the fairgrounds in Amarillo, Texas. Mm-hmm. He was sitting there one, and he looked up and he seen Alex Perez was an old wrestler there, uh-huh. and his name was written on the ceiling. It's Alex. <laughs> And he pointed up when Alex, that's how he come up with that gimmick. Oh, that's nice. That. Nice. Yes. So, uh, you know, he told me all this later on. Now, now he gets in the ring and, and these people are laughing and, and I'm watching this. How 10 minutes has went by, they ain't even locked up yet. And these people right, are yeah. losing their mind. So now Alex goes to lock up with Casey, but he stops. He has to talk to Alex upstairs. Alex, him and Alex are talking. Papa gives him the okay sign. They lock up and Casey arm drags. You know, he jumps up to his feet. He's going, all right. Then he talks to him again. He does the same thing. They lock up. Casey arm drags him and slams him. I went, holy shit. The people are losing their mind. And he's jumping up, talking that. What the hell is that? And then... Okay, yes, yes. He's doing his shit. Yes. Yeah. Like they lock up, Casey arm drags him, slams him, then hip tosses him, and killer call cops jumps up and starts going. (laughs) (laughs) Now listen, guys, I'm watching this. Uh Uh-huh. And it blew my fucking mind. I said, God, it's a lot more to this business than I know. Yeah that I ever even realized, ever dreamed about, mm-hmm. was watching that. And then I got to know Killer, and I got to know some of the great wrestlers here, you know, in Texas. Now, let's jump back on the other limb over here, okay. back to Memphis. The Fabulous Ones. You remember them, Stan Lane yep. and Steve Kern? Yep. Okay, now there's a guy named Jackie Fargo. Mm-hmm. It was the most overest son of a bitch you ever seen in your life in, in Tennessee, Memphis, Kentucky. The Memphis Territory was Jackie yeah. Fargo, the fabulous Jackie Fargo. Well, Jerry Jarrett came up with a big idea to put the fabulous ones, run videos on them. You hear me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it worked. These two guys were over, over, over. Mm-hmm. But now, this is why I didn't like territories. Now we're going to jump back over to this limb again, mm-hmm. because the territories, either the your top baby face was the owner of the territory, or your booker. If you wasn't friends with him, you were fucked, and you still wouldn't yep. get to get over. Because right. he's going to push himself. And now it's not being mad. I'm just telling you the truth. Right. But yeah. later on in this conversation, let's go back. And then I realized why some of the bookers pushed their own self. But mm-hmm. now Jerry Lawler and the fabulous ones, you know, <laughs> the Lawler was standing in the way of the fabulous ones and Stan Lane and, and Steve Kern and them were trying to buck him. Mm-hmm. Him and so they got Jerry. Lawler and Jerry Jarrett to fight. So Jerry Lawler was going to go opposition of Jerry Jarrett in Memphis. Mm-hmm. He was going to do this. So 
Jerry Lawler come all the way to San Antonio, Texas, well, which he was booked on the show. But he got booked on him and Tully. No, it was him and Nick Bockwinkle. Him and Nick Bockwinkle were wrestling there that night. And Jerry comes in. I was partners with Ken Lucas. And he told me the whole thing. He says, told me this. this. He says, he's going to go opposition. He says, I like. He said, I've been thinking. He says, you've been tag team wrestler. And Robert Peppis has been with his brother all these years. Mm-hmm. He said, I like to team y'all up and give y'all a gimmick to come to Memphis. And I, you know, I said, well, hell yeah. And the reason why is, is I'm going home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'm going home with my daddy and them and and to make this right here. So I got there and Robert being with his brother, then I knew Robert and his brother real good even before all this right here. And me and Kenny, because Kenny was wanting to go back to Pensacola, Florida. Mm-hmm. So we got to Memphis and him and Jerry Jarrett made up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, they're not going opposition. Uh-huh. So Robert and I, needless to say, the fabulous ones was Jerry Jarrett's team. Mm-hmm. We were Lawler's team. So we're the ones that had to play second fiddle to the fabulous ones. Yep. But in our business, it's been at the right place at the right time. Boy, I'm jumping limbs like a <laughs> son of a bitch here. But it, and, and when we got there, they, and this is great too, but mm-hmm. they didn't have a name for us. And Jimmy Hart was back there, B. Lawler, Jimmy Hart. And they're thinking of a name, you know, R&R, uh, Ricky and Robert, mm-hmm. the Rolls Royce symbol. And then now let's <laughs> see. And Jimmy Hart goes, how about the Rock and Roll Express? And Jerry Lawler looked at him and says, Jimmy, that's the worst name I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you got to have one, so we're going to use it. And Lawler told me not long ago, he said, boy, I wish I had a patent y'all's name. He said, I made him a lot of money off y'all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, the way that happened. We went to a flea market, bought rock and roll books, and started making outfits and stuff mm-hmm. like, off of that. But our business has been at the right place at the right time and mm-hmm. knowing that. I didn't listen to me, young guys out there in the business. Being at the right place at the right time, but when somebody asks you to do something, you know how to do it. Yeah. With saying, huh. You've been in the ring with a guy you call headlock. He go, huh. I go, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I in the ring with? I don't know if you got that or not. Yeah. But that's when B. McMahon was starting to run in everybody's territories. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Oh, just, man, they went fucking crazy. So they got to run a big show in Memphis. All the territories will get together, and they're going to go against Vince. Uh-huh. Well, Vince didn't give a fuck what none of them no. did. You understand me? <laughs> yeah. Because when you, when you got together like that, there was way too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Yep. So uh, they had their big show in Memphis that night, and every promoter in the world, I'm talking, I don't know, I don't know if Crockett was there or not, but I don't, but he had to be, but I don't remember. But I remember Eddie Graham, mm-hmm. 
he was there, Bill Watts, and, uh, you know, Vern Gagne, and all of them. They're all there. And me and Robert went out and worked with the Nightmare. And mm-hmm. we put them over because we wasn't the top team. The fabulous right. ones were, right? So uh, the fabulous ones went out and worked with somebody. And after the show, they told everybody to stick around. They're having a big meeting. And, uh, you know, they're in there talking. And Eddie Graham, I, I never know Eddie Graham, didn't know who he even was at the time. Mm-hmm. He stood up and he goes, listen, uh, we're all promoters here. We're all get together. And he says, I'm all about making money. And I'm all about people working that know what our business is doing. Mm-hmm. He said, see these two boys right here? He pointed at me and Robert. See that blonde-headed one? He sold for 20 minutes and never buried his partner. He says, that's the tag team we need to push. Not these over here talking about Stanley and Steve Kern. That's yeah. the ones you want. Wow. Yeah. So at this time and moment, now jumping back to the other ring about small, about territories that I didn't like them. Mm-hmm. And this is what really, everything that my daddy told me through all these years, it came true. Mm-hmm. He said, tag team wrestlers fixing to pop. Now, Bill Watts was in there, and Bill Watts is getting ready to retire. Mm-hmm. And he wanted a booker that did not wrestle where you wouldn't push yourself. Yep. So he hired Bill Dundee as his booker. So Bill made a deal with Jarrett and Robert to go to Louisiana for six months. Mm-hmm. And Bill's already taken the Midnight Express with him. Mm-hmm. So the Midnight Express is already in Louisiana and they're beating everybody. Johnny Walker, Magnum TA, they were partners then and blah, blah. And at that same time, they were building up Ivan, not Ivan, Nikolai Volkov and Barry Dorsov, yep. the Russians. Yep. Same thing we did in NWA, but it's just a different, different page. Yep. But understand this, and this is what really blew my mind. When we got to Louisiana, Abdullah the Butcher was the top baby face. Now, you see what a difference is? Yeah. And what we're doing. And the reason he was baby faced, and this is the reason I didn't like territories. And don't get me wrong, Bill Watts owned it. So Bill Watts has just finished his angle with Abdullah, where he beat him. Mm-hmm. But he had to turn Abdullah babyface for Abdullah can beat the new heel. I mean, with the new heel can beat Abdullah. Mm-hmm. And they're building him for him to wear some Bill Watts. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. Okay. All of a sudden, they shot videos of me and Robert and sent them to Louisiana, and they never seen a tag team like, like you know, we're young guys. Yeah. See, usually in the business back then, you didn't get a push until your booker. Booker was your friend. That's why yeah. they were 40 and 50 years old still wrestling. Right, yeah. You, do, do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You didn't get a break till you were 35 and 40 years old. Yeah, now, right. And I'm serious at this. Uh, <laughs> so we get there, and we shoot the, an angle with the, the Russians, and all of a sudden, man, it was they showed videos of us for two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. And you had a bicycle tape that went around different 
you know, this, this town, then this town, the, you know, the, do you understand what I mean by a bicycle tape? Yeah. yeah. It didn't show in the same town all the time. Mm-hmm. Guys, and, oh, Bill Dundee was smart. And, and we go in and on TV and we beat uh, Crusher Crew, which is Barry Dorso. And yeah, Nicolai Crusher Khrushchev. And then they beat us up and we shot a little angle. Uh-huh. Greatest thing in the world, dude, because you see now, guys, earlier, mm-hmm. I told you our business is being at the right place at the right time. Robert and I were at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And when you take a territory down, now, guys, I want you to stop and think about this. We were over so much that when they brought the road warriors in for a show, uh huh. To get Robert and I wrestling the road warriors in the Superdome. Mm-hmm. It's nineteen eighty one. We drew forty thousand people. That is crazy. That is crazy. Do you understand me? Forty thousand yep. people. Closed circuit TV. Mm-hmm. Un. You know they cut the Superdome. I'm pure bit in the Superdome. I don't know how they do it, but they hung curtains <laughs> for one half of it. Yeah. Been in a lot of places to see that. You know, it's, you know, it holds 80,000 people, I think, Superdome. Mm-hmm. But but we got this whole side in the floor. And I know it was, the people were so damn loud, I couldn't, you couldn't even hear. Mm-hmm. God, it was echoing off that son of a bitch, man. And that was good. <laughs> and that's how we built that territory. And mm-hmm. that's when I, Rick Flair was there wrestling Kerry Von Erich, mm-hmm. and to get back to to what uh, you were talking about, guys over in his business, yeah. you know Magnum TA, uh, yep, Kerry Von Erich. You know, it was great. See now, you got a whole card of a lot of shit. I'm not saying that Robert and I drew the forty thousand people. You had a hell of a card there. Yeah. It takes everybody because even then you're underneath guys. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for them, your butt top baby faces, the top heels wouldn't be over. Right. Okay. That's what we did. And that's how things worked. That's when Joe, Joe Mike, uh, the Rubble Warriors, you know, uh-huh. all can yep. I didn't know them. Oh, you heard how stiff they are and how they do this and how uh-huh. they do that. Yeah, I've heard how stiff they are. Uh, I'm fixing to I, I was fixing to wrestle them in our territory. There's 40,000 people, so I have to be prepared ass whooping mm-hmm. because I had to show them it's just a part. And holy shit, I got in the ring and then and I'm looking. I'd never seen them. Didn't get to finish till we got to the ring. Yeah. We beat him with the double drop kick. They put us right over right in the middle of the ring. Uh, wow. I guess Bill Watts paid the piss out of him. You hear me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm trying to say here now <laughs> is God almighty, I get in that ring and they're too jacked up. Are they talking like this? And yeah. You know, I lock Joe pushes me on my I take a big bump for him. I take a big bump. Then he stops me and he goes. Dr. Clothesline hit me with the drop kick and hit Hawk with the drop kick. So 
bam, but bam, I ducked the clothesline. I hit him with a drop kick. He went over the top rope. I hit Hawk with a <laughs> drop kick. He went over the other top rope. And I'm standing in the ring doing my thing, Ricky Morton thing. There's yep. 40,000 people losing their goddamn mind. But I'm thinking to myself, Ricky Morton, you're a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> These boys, <laughs> they know how to work. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just other people have been f- messed with them. They didn't understand. But Hawk and <laughs> they, they were business. Yeah, they were all uh, business. And that, that, that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Now... This is the thing, you know, but about Lawler putting us together, but it wasn't Memphis that worked for us. Mm-hmm. It was other territories, which I didn't like. That's why I never went to different territories. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it was all about the top baby face that mm-hmm. owned it. <laughs> you yeah. know, look, look at the Continental. It was, it was all about Ron Robert Fuller. Wasn't about mm-hmm. you. Right. You was heel. You got to come in and have a good run with them. But at mm-hmm. the end of it, they beat you. Yep. That right. was what it was all about. Yeah. And that was it. Uh, so, uh, Lord behold, man. And then, then I had, I met Dusty Rhodes. Yep. See, Dusty was a booker. But boy, was, did I get the best education of my life mm-hmm. when I met Dusty? Uh, when uh, Louisiana, this is uh, another Superdome show, Muhammad Ali was there that night. And this is the greatest thing in the world. Uh, you know what? And all the people I've met in my life, uh-huh. Muhammad Ali was the greatest man I ever met in my life. Oh, yeah. Hand, and, hands and, down. Yeah, that's... yeah, but you, just the way he carried himself and who he was. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the dressing room in the Superdome. And my oldest son, uh, that's 39, 40 years old. I, I love them. should say, I say 39. He's just a little kid. Uh-huh. And he's in the floor playing with cards. With cars. Yeah. And Muhammad Ali comes in the door. Everybody and went to what he walked right by them all and sat in the floor and started playing cards with my little boy. <laughs> ask awesome. me everything about him. Yes, man. Yeah. And ask me everything about him. And then Bill Watts comes over and says, he's sitting in the floor, Bill Watts. Hey, I'm Bill Watts, the promoter. He goes, oh, you're the one stealing all the money from these guys. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I fell out of my chair. I was laughing so hard. Uh, but to say this to you now, and where I'm going to just jump to the slim. Mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali gets out in his entourage and he goes with him somewhere else. And I'm just sitting there with my little boy. And this man gets up in the corner that had been sitting there all night. I've been wondering who the hell he was. Yeah. He walks over to me and sticks his hand out. He says, hello, I am Jimmy Crockett. He says, I run the North Carolina Territory. And I mm-hmm. said, well, Jimmy, I've come to work for you before, but you didn't know me. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't ever see him either. You know, yeah. I was there for Dory Funk Jr. was the was the booker at that time, and I just went in for a week to get some guys over. Mm-hmm. So uh, he goes, "Well, listen, I'm taking over TBS. We're going nationwide." Uh, he says, "All I've heard from Ric Flair is how great you are." 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> I went, holy shit, I didn't know he was even watching. <laughs> right. Rick Flair said, you are the greatest baby faces he's ever seen. Yep. This is before I did anything with Rick. Really didn't know Rick. I partied with him a few times. Mm -hmm. He said, I like you come to North Carolina. And uh, me and Robert talked about it. And you know, that's great. Time that Robert and I were in Louisiana, mm -hmm. we were a tennis wreck. I mean, tennis, we blew Elvis Presley out of the water. I'm serious. That's, that's a so, hell of an accomplishment. Attendance records. That's yes, a I'm hell of an accomplishment. Right. Yeah, and it's really mind blowing. Yeah. But wait until we go to NWA. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, now, here we are. This is the same thing, guys. Now I'm going back, going back, going back, and going back. So, Robert and I gave our notes. And when we go to lose it, and Dusty Rhodes is a booker. Mm hmm. I never even knew Dusty. I seen him a couple of times mm -hmm. throughout my career before that. So I, I, I come in to Charlotte. So he had to give a two week notice mm -hmm. in uh, Louisiana. So I, I flew into Charlotte on a Monday, but we had a wrestle on a Tuesday. I'm flying back to Louisiana on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, so I go to the office. And Dusty, you know, the reason I go down to the office, Dusty wanted me to meet him there. That's why they flew me in a day early. Mm -hmm. So I go in, and Dusty's sitting there. He goes, all right, baby, this is the way I'm on the longest you could carry the ball. Dusty Rhodes would be behind you. You know, we had a long talk. Yeah. Okay. Let me jump back to this limb. The reason a lot of promoters push themselves, I mean, bookers push their own self, is because they had ideas in their head mm -hmm. that they want to do, but there wasn't the guys really understood our business could do what he was thinking in his head. Yeah. And this is where I got my education at, okay? Mm -hmm. And Dusty told me this, like, you know, uh, we get into this in a minute. So I understood what he wanted with the Russians. Now, you, at that time, you had Ivan, Nikita, and Barry Dorsey, mm -hmm. Crusher Khrushchev. They did this, Dusty did the same thing. He pushed these guys, the Russians at that time, it's so everybody's smart. That's when the United States hated Russia, and Russia hated us. Yeah. Bible. It's yep. just a natural born thing. And it's, and it's the same thing. These two young baby faces, they never got a big push like that. They have showed our videos. We come in. Robert, and the next night we wrestle them in Shelby, North Carolina. It's where they do TV. It's in the middle of summer, July the 8th or 9th. It's 100 degrees outside. <laughs> We're in that building. Showing the videos of holy shit. Even though the building is jam packed, it was more people outside. Wow. That it was inside trying ticket in Dutty talking boy this but so and that's TV. Yeah. Now at TV you, you do two shows mm -hmm. and they have the 
things on the wall, but nobody knows nothing. Okay, you, you had the first TV, but on the second TV, it had matches. And me and Robert was the main event against the Russians for TV. Mm-hmm. But we was the first match. Okay? So the, the, none of the boys understood, but I knew. Because me and Robert, we were, we were going the whole time limit of the mm-hmm. TV show, an hour. Yeah. You, you, you understand? Yep. But I di- didn't even realize that until right before we got to the ring. I'm looking at this thing here and I'm going, and Dusty come over this and listen, uh, go, uh, do they do the whole hour, go mm-hmm. home at the 59 minute mark on TV. <laughs> Y'all will go through commercials. Y'all would go through everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, damn, that's the first time I ever did that. And Dusty let me come up. You know, when I come up behind Ivan and did the victory row. Yep. That was a victory road. If that would have fucked up, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I don't think we would have got over like we did. That was a victory road that was heard around the world. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually watched that. Know Ivan. Well, once He's we started. Christ, yeah. Once we started talking about doing the interview with you, that was actually one of the matches that I watched uh, in preparation for this interview today. And that was, that was an amazing finish. Yes. Okay, now that match was seen around the world, not just in the United States, that yes. was around the world. Yes. Holy shit. Uh, and we won the belts that mm-hmm. night. The place went absolutely nuts. Now it's on a bicycle tape. It was show in Charlotte that Saturday, but mm-hmm. it won't show to Richmond and North Fork and, you know, but it's it on TBS. Mm-hmm. They're going to show it on TBS the following Saturday when everybody can see it. See, because we did, there were different TVs. It was mid, mid-Atlantic TV, and then mm-hmm. it was TBS. Yeah. But they all was on bicycle tapes. And, and the blow-off is, you know, it's hard to explain what I'm trying to say to you. But you still had your territory uh, things. And then Robert and I, uh, we came back in mm-hmm. and... Uh, our first night in was uh, Lafayette, not Lafayetteville, North Carolina, Fayetteville, mm-hmm. North Carolina. And uh, that was our first night debut in the territory. Mm-hmm. And, and it usually draws, you know, 1,200, 1,500 people. <laughs> Dude, we got there on that Monday. I get out of the car. <laughs> there's people everywhere and a woman with a microphone rooms up to me that the news uh-huh. she goes tell me about you what are you doing i says man i'm, I'm wrestling here now she said no you don't understand people have been camped out here for a week buying getting tickets for y'all to rest wow and uh, wow. oh holy shit <laughs> and everything my dad told me came true yeah uh yeah that's gonna be one, one of those holy shit things. moments and, and don't yeah. get me wrong Yes, and, oh, and it was. It was, it was the victory role that was heard around the world. Mm-hmm. And I got to hand it off to Dusty, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm not here. You know, me and Dusty had a lot of fucking fights. You mm-hmm. hear me? Yeah. We we did. And so I don't want you to, guys, but but I respected him, and he was smart. And, you know, and Terry Reynolds' daughter, 
Dustin Rhodes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Dustin Rhodes and Terry, you know, Terry Reynolds. You know, his. I was talking to her a lot long ago, and she told me she says, uh, "There's one I want to tell you this." I said, "What's that?" She says, uh, "When I started getting into wrestling really big, and my papa was Dusty Rhodes, I asked him." who was the greatest baby face in the world. And he goes, well, baby, you know, Dusty Rose is. He said, but <laughs> running in a tight second, she said, Ricky Morton was the best baby face ever because yep. he understood what I wanted. Yes. What other people didn't. And yep. see, now let's jump back to the limb. Understanding what he's wanting is selling. Yes. And telling a story about it. Yes. Nine time world tag team champions. I never wanted to be a champion. Do you know why? Because the people pay to see me win. They don't pay to see me lose. Right. But every week the heel screws me. And then you come back with a different match every week. And that's how you draw money in our damn business. Yeah. Learning to sell and guys trusting me. Let's jump. It's coming back to that. Right. It has to. It will, yeah. They're going to have to do something. They're going to have to, uh, you know, Vince is going to have to do something to go into a big personal angle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have the greatest idea in the world for it. But that's to the end. And then, uh, hey, my wife just walked in. Hi, baby. Hi. She, uh, I told her what you said. Uh-huh. You hear me? Yeah. I was talking to you. I told her what you said. Oh, you did? And he said he didn't recognize you since your ass got so big. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good time, man. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what that, I mean, that's, we went through a long career of the Rock and Roll Express going from limb to limb. Oh, yeah. Man, was that cool. Yeah. But that is his experiences that you, people never even knew about, you know, right? literally, Robert and I were rock stars. Yeah, you guys were. And I like- could tell you stories. I could tell you stories, dude. That if I told you one, you'd tell me bullshit. That didn't <laughs> right. happen. But not only did it happen, but that was just one night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was just one night. Right. Uh, and, and and that's exactly greatest- it. Like that. That that list I gave you to start off, like some of these guys, like you guys were the '80s. You guys were the rock yes. stars of professional wrestling, hands down. And and being, and see, a lot of times, I'll tell you a few things that people don't know, and, mm-hmm. and that I do know. You know, when I did the angle with Ric Flair, mm-hmm. and I see, you know, because you have a lot of smart marks on the internet. Oh, the reason he did that is because <laughs> Robert got hurt. No, it wasn't because got hurt. Magnum mm-hmm. TA had a car wreck. Yeah. They were grooming Magnum to be the world heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that or not. He was. They were grooming him. They were grooming him. And all of a sudden, they're getting ready to do this big angle. Yeah. And Magnum has a car wreck, paralyzed. Yeah. Uh, I was in Rick. He knew me. Yeah. And he went to Dusty. He said, man, I want to do this angle with Ricky Morton. And uh, getting there. Now, when Robert was hurt, 
is after all this bullshit, they done turn wrestling corporate WCW. I stood up. See, one thing about me, mm-hmm. I always stood up for the boys. And I always respected myself because I never screwed one of the boys, not one time. Right. And I'm telling you this, and you can ask Ric Flair this. They wanted to put the world heavyweight title on me, but if they did, they were going to get rid of Robert. I told him no. I turned it down. Wow. And that's a fact. And you can ask Ric Flair that. Wow. And that's if you read Ric Flair's book, he'll tell you in how mm-hmm. how uh, I stood up for Robert and all that. Now mm-hmm. I joined the York Foundation. I turned heel. I didn't turn heel because that's when Robert did get hurt. Yeah. All right. And he's out for six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. When he was, they wanted the corporate business wanted to team me and Brad Armstrong up to be the new Rock and Roll Express. I told him no. Yeah. So that's where they turned me heel with the York Foundation. Yeah. And, and and the reason I did that is because I had a job because I never had a contract. Yeah. Everybody else did. Mm-hmm. You know, I went try to talk to them. You know. Uh, I, I tried to talk to Eric Bischoff about, you know, I, I want a contract, but I, dude, I don't want to wrestle on top, but he wouldn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's what he thought when he talked to me. Hell, I will put the fucking ring up. Just that, give me a job. Right. You know, because this is all, I, you know, and, but no, they wouldn't do that. So needless to say, when Robert came back at the York Foundation, I wrestled him on, uh, in Washington, D.C. I was in a single match. We had our match. I beat Robert because that was what was going on They because they were going to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and him left and went to Smoky Mountain. Okay. So, so and, you bring... Uh, Jimmy Cornette. Yeah, so you bring this up, and this is actually one of my uh, questions that I do want to be able to ask you today. And that is yeah. the, the pop, whether you were there or for me, it's mostly been what I've seen on TV and in YouTube videos is that mm-hmm. pop you guys had. Like you said, yeah, you guys were rock rock stars. There was Hawkamania. There was Rock and Roll Express right underneath it. So how do you go from oh. being a top baby face like that where you are adored like a rock star? How do you mentally prepare to become a hill like that almost at like the drop of a dime like you go from being a rock star to now you're you've got to be a completely well, different persona well see buddy and this is what i was trying to say to you earlier about i stood up for the boys i didn't turn my back on none of them but the ones mm-hmm. that turned their back on me were all the boys you, you see what i'm saying except yeah. uh it was hard because uh Every chance they got. See, buddy, when, when you understand this business and when you work, see, they try to kill you off. Uh-huh. But if you know what you're doing, they can never kill you off. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just, I laughed at them a lot of times. Yeah. I'd go to the ring, put Brian Pillman over, and I'd be the heel, and I'd be over better than Brian Pillman would mm-hmm. because I knew what I was doing. They didn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even when Robert and I, we left and went to – to Smoky Mountain with, with Jimmy Cornette, mm-hmm. you know, dude, we, that's the reason Smoky Mountain was so successful. 
yeah for the first couple of years is because the people still remembered matter yeah. of fact i still live here in the smoky mountain area nice. uh i stayed up here in these mountains well but uh, it's the greatest experience and yeah it was it, it's hard to accept but it's not hard to accept it's how the the people that were in charge mm-hmm. that didn't know whether to wind their ass or scratch or watch yeah you know and, and here I, I'm, I'm trying because i'm thinking it's like they brought jim hurd in the first one mm-hmm. you know he was the pizza guy out of, yeah, out of st yeah. louis yeah pizza to hut, run professional wrestling and it always got me what the hell were they doing but then i figured out they did they didn't want a professional or anybody that knew anything about professional wrestling because they wanted to turn it corporate yeah and jim hurd was a corporate guy Mm-hmm. I mean, look at this great decision he made. His first thing he did was he brought, put a tag team together. The Dean Dongs from Bellsville. <laughs> what the fuck? You, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I, he I called didn't... me in the office one time because I wrestled. You know, I'd like to see Jim Hurd wants to talk to you. I was like, oh, God, man, he might see me want to do this. And yeah. so I go to his office and he looks at me and goes, I want to know why you did the Frankensteiner on TV. And I said, I got to thinking a Frankensteiner. And it, and I did what it was is a, that is hurricane Corona. But at that time we called yeah. it a, hunt, a front head scissors. Yeah, yeah. I said, I invented it. <laughs> That's my move. I ought to get money for y'all and him use it. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to say that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm funk, you know, fuck off. Excuse <laughs> my language. But that's how stupid our business was. Mm-hmm. Don't hate nobody. But look at Eric Bischoff. Uh, he had a big meeting one night, and, it, and the meeting was about he went to court and won where Kevin Nash and Scott Hall could come in from WWE. He beat Vince, <laughs> but they couldn't use their names up there. Right. And yeah, I'm right. thinking. And, and to myself, and I, I'm not ashamed to say this, I'm thinking, who did you blow to get your job? Exactly. What exactly. in the hell? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. So now, dude, when you got millions and millions and millions of dollars to advertise your show, if it don't sell out, something's wrong. Right. If you don't have ratings that are up at six or seven, something's wrong. And at that time, the biggest ratings they had until Hogan come in, was when me and Robert were on the show wrestling Ric Flair and Arn Anderson mm-hmm. at 4.5 ratings every time. Yep. And then great matches. When, when Hogan come in, it was forward set because Hogan was over. Yeah. All right. And, and, and still couldn't get a job, you know. And then what it was, somebody asked me one time, what do you think about the WCW show? I said, did he call it the Eric Bischoff show? Yeah. Because he's, I never see the guy try to get himself over so much not to be a wrestler. Yeah. Or not to be this. You know, yeah. I, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. The, when the, you take it, a company like WCW, all right, that is big corporate worldwide business mm-hmm. uh, and put it $600 million in a hoe. <laughs> right. That's hard to do. Kiss my ass. Yeah. Kiss my ass. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and that's what happened to it. And see, and, and I don't blame Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Goldberg and 
you know, I, I wanted a contract. He asked him again, so man, can you give me a contract? Oh, we're not giving out contracts no more. Next week, you sign Brad Hart to $11 million. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Now, listen, couldn't they give him a eleven million nine hundred thousand <laughs> right ten million i mean ten million nine hundred thousand just give me a hundred thousand dollars a year right I couldn't even do that but yeah, the company that's... shut down yeah okay but see bret hart goldberg kevin nash scott hall they see they're all smart you know believe it or not all these guys have got college educations mm-hmm. here i didn't you know i i didn't realize how bad they screwed us on the money. Oh, but yeah. see, they signed a contract that wasn't with WCW. It was with Ted Turner. Yeah. And 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 Time Warner. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when it shut down, they still had to pay them guys. That's why you didn't see them for three years. Yeah, they, they went three home. Three four they, years. They, yeah, they went home. They, they were getting paid from home. Right. Buddy, they went home and got $185,000 a week. Yeah, for three yeah. years, and they talk about how what they got, and what I ain't got. Well, you kiss my ass, right? You see, kiss yep. my ass. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> all right, you got me on the road. Keep going. <laughs> all right. Okay. okay. So, um, one one thing that I was excited about was to, <laughs> as a young kid, I always loved tag team wrestling ever since i was a kid mid 80s late 80s i've been a tag team guy i was actually excited to see you on AEW here uh a year or so ago that was awesome i love what they're doing with tag team wrestling right now they're bringing it back they're doing it so much better than what wwe has been i love it i am so excited what are you excited about if anything with pro wrestling right now well, that's a hard thing to answer right here. I'm excited that they that they hadn't forgot who we are. <laughs> still get right, paid good. every now and then. No, yeah. What I want to be excited about is what I told you earlier is is I would like to have a job with these big companies, mm-hmm. trying to educate the boys about our business and what right. tag team wrestling really is. Uh. You know, in, in, in our day, even when we went out to do independent, getting to ring these guys, what high spots you want to do? I don't do high spots. Right. I sell, I give Robert a hot tag. Yeah. Okay. That's what I like. Now, that with the tag team wrestling, I like what direction it's going in. Mm-hmm. But they need a lot of help. Do you hear me? They do. Mm-hmm. They need a lot of help getting viewers they, they but you know when this pandemic is over oh my god yeah our world is starving for entertainment oh uh, yeah you know i'm doing yeah. I, you know, i'm in fort walton beach this weekend and, and and here in tennessee you know it's opened back up gosh almighty man you places are packed because mm-hmm. there's nothing else to do you, there's nothing else yeah. to do you know uh even your festival sports, you can't go watch it. Uh, even no. concerts, I don't have no more. You have to watch yep. them online. Yeah, to have a live event. That's what I'm excited for is to get right. Yeah, people yeah. back. Get this pandemic behind us. Yeah, get back to living people life. People start making yeah. good decisions. 
not only in our business, but in Washington for everything can be good. Just make good decisions yeah. for us, for us all. Good. I, I like, I like that answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Draven okay. and I have been talking about going to shows for months now. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah, we're super we're excited for things oh, to, yes. uh, <laughs> to start back up. And you miss it. And, and let me say one thing too. It's just to all the boys at WD, uh, WWE, uh, the whole company, all of them, mm-hmm. uh, Impact. You know, do you know how hard it is to go and work a match with no crowd? Oh, it's got to be horrible. You know, it's it's oh. hard. Yeah. It's yeah. hard, son of a bitch, to do that. Yeah, and and the matches that some of these guys are given, they're really out of this world for that. Because when you feed, when you're used to feeding off the crowd, mm-hmm. it, you know it's hard to to go out there and you got the boys out there cheering you on at ringside. Uh, my hats off to them; mm-hmm. they their ass off. So, uh, the, you know, I, don't get me wrong; I'm not bitter at the boys or bitter. Well, I'm really not bitter at anything. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm 64. I still depend on wrestling for a living. Yeah, absolutely. Before we close out, what I want you to talk about is your school of Morton. I want you to tell everyone what it's about, what you're interested in with your uh accomplishments in uh the school of morton and how they can check it out and contact you if they are interested well first of all you you go on facebook school of morton Mm -hmm. i opened my school up eight years ago uh and really see my school it's not like I, i don't bring you in there and rip you off of your money I don't because I have kids. I have people there, mm-hmm. and when and I tell everybody this: when you walk through my door, I don't care what color, I don't care what gender, I don't give a shit. We're all the same when you walk through that door, and I don't want to hear it. I'll run your ass off if you don't. You hear me? Yep. If you don't agree to that, leave. Yep. I make guys' dreams come true. Mm-hmm. Some uh, if you get a chance, guys. Every Sunday at 505 Eastern, uh, I have a live YouTube show that comes on live from the School of Morton. I have the production rooms. I have everything there. And and it's for the independent wrestlers. If you want to come and be on my show, because I promise you this, I have a lot of friends in this business and a lot of them watch my TV show because I take guys that you that looks like anything else other than a wrestler and I get heat on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got guys there, man. I, you know what? I, other day I was about two weeks ago, I'm doing a show and I had to go to commercial break cause Mark's hit the ring uh-huh. and I had to go out and tell them to get out of the goddamn get out of the fucking ring, man. <laughs> You're messing my TV show up, you know? And I, and I told the guys, don't beat them up. They don't you know. Uh, cause everybody come running out there. So don't do that. Let's go to commercial break. And then, you know, I had to put security stuff up and everything, but, but it's so good. If you want to sh- display your talent, cause a lot mm-hmm. of people watch this, my show guys, a lot of 
big name people watches it, you know, mm-hmm. just to see there's nothing else to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's great. We, you know, uh, just to be a part of this and be a part of some of the young talent working in this business mm-hmm. and guys, you'd be some, if you get a chance, watch it this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm never on it. So I'm, I never, I'm never on it. I don't push myself. I don't, it's for, it's for people that are breaking into the business mm-hmm. and people that are on the end and, and you can come in because I don't pay, you know, I don't, people, you know, I run a show, yeah, but I don't pay you. But if you want the exposure, you want the experience, right. Uh, come on in. I, you know, it, I'm not the greatest talker in the world, but I have people there that are, yeah, that will do work with you interviews. You know, I have a, people that come in and train here that you wouldn't believe, you know, crazy Steve pops in and out, you <laughs> know, I have a lot of people come up, you know, Joe, before he died, road warrior, you yeah. know, uh, animal you know he come to my school man mm-hmm. he you know he come up and hang out and, and and my school is out in the middle of nowhere uh-huh uh even kane you know kane he's yep knoxville yep i'm about an hour from knoxville out in the middle of the woods and nowhere and he <laughs> kane <laughs> coming he goes hi and the hell did you find this place it's a field of dreams <laughs> right <laughs> yes it is uh i love my school i take time i and it's not about that. Even my younger students, because I didn't, and I'm not, you know, looking for sympathy. If you want sympathy, look in the dictionary between shit and syphilis, you'll find it. <laughs> but it's uh, uh, to make good decision, mm-hmm. to understand. Even my kids, if you don't make grades, you don't get trained. Right, <laughs> okay. yeah. And I do. I mean, they do. Uh I have a guy named Jungle Boy. You, you know, you see the Jungle Boy on AEW? Yeah. I have the real one. He started with me when he was 17 years, I mean, seven years old. Uh-huh. And he's 14. And I wish that I could get him booked somewhere, but he's uh, 14. Right, yeah. He's phenomenal. <laughs> he's absolutely wonderful. <laughs> and I have a lot of kids like that. I have my girls, Raleigh Rocket. Uh-huh. She's at TNA right now. She's trying out for them, though. Uh-huh. And it's good to have experience it. And plus them coming there, the boys, they never know who's going to show up. You know, uh-huh. they, I have a lot of people show up. I'll run a show every Sunday, mm-hmm. but it, and I just now opened it back up to the public. It ain't for $5 a ticket. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you come in and enjoy yourself, but I'll never run the TV show because it's not about me. Right. Yeah. It's about everybody else. So check it out guys. It's uh, Facebook school of Morton. All right, well, that was awesome. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. He went on tangents. That's that was for sure. He did. I'm not even sure if he even answered the one question or not, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, he did a great job because we had almost 20 questions, but with his tangents, he answered every single one uh-huh. except for two which is pretty damn good because I think I only verbally asked three questions. So with his right. uh, I think it was going four, out on but... the limbs. Yeah. He did. He did a great job. And one of them was uh, the last one was if someone's watching this podcast now and they've never watched a Ricky Morton or rock and roll express match, right. which match does he think they should go and watch? So that was like the big ending that I had, which he wasn't able to answer. But I mean, for me, you can just, Go on YouTube and type in the scaffold matches. Those are phenomenal. Uh, 
but right off the top, just to show, uh, he mainly touched on two important points, the art of selling and ring psychology. Mm -hmm. You watch any of the matches between him and Ric Flair, you will see ring psychology. You will see selling two lost arts. And you can watch any of the matches. I've never seen a match between those two that you would ever deem average. Always phenomenal in the ring. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, he did say the one thing whenever he started talking about Ric Flair. He says, you know, everybody's got an opinion and opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got got one. one. Yep. And he said, Ric Flair is the greatest of all time. And I was like, that's not really an opinion. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> actual. Yeah. All right, guys. Just to reiterate, you can find School of Morton on Facebook and YouTube. And we'll go ahead and post those links down in the description below. And with that out of the way, take us home, Sledgehammer. Fantastic. We talk professional wrestling, past, present, and future. Today, we got a chance to speak with WWE Hall of Famer, NWA Hall of Famer, multi-time tag team champion. Seriously, guys, we're talking like 130, 140 championships. And one half of the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram And if you like what you're watching on YouTube, leave us a like, drop us a comment, and subscribe. Ring the bell. Ringing the bell is the important part. And we want to thank you. We want to thank everyone for tuning in to this week's episode. And we will see you all next time on the fifth side of the ring. Catch you later.